This is where you come to hear tales of loss, redemption, salvation, perspectives, epiphanies, and self-evolution. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the glory in our stories. Hello, TGOS listeners. Welcome to episode 55 of The Glory in Our Stories. On this episode, we'll be chatting with Miss Andrea Price from the West Coast. Check it out. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Glory in Our Stories. Uh, this will be episode 55, if I'm not mistaken. For those of you who have been listening, like I said before, there will be some changes. I'm not going to tell you exactly what they are. But um, this show is evolving and as it has evolved, evolved, so have I and new ideas have come awry. But one thing that I didn't want to do is limit this show to a set of uh, specific people Um, coming across social media. I've come in contact with some awesome individuals. Um, Case in point, the individual that I'm interviewing today Miss Andrea Price from California. And um, I came across her work. I started following uh, Andrea. I think I started following you maybe a year ago. And I know you (laughs) know you can't pinpoint me (laughs) out of all the followers you have. Um, But what really intrigued me was your obviously the um, the preciseness of your photos of your work and it just looked so professional and I was just intrigued by that aspect and that attracted me to your actual work so I know a lot of people yeah (laughs) so I was like man but when I saw um, James Baldwin when I saw that one I was like yeah I gotta I, this I know she just didn't paint him for any reason. There's obviously there's a particular a story probably behind that in itself. But I was just really intrigued. And of course, uh, your black Jesus. Um, I think you you actually had a video of that in real time, and that process. It was just for you to what really <laughs> really got me is you actually. Well, let me ask you this: How long do you sit? at one time to do a piece. I just start off by asking you that. Well, uh, first let me say hello to everybody out there. And yeah, I'm so happy to be here today and doing this. And uh, to answer your question, sitting down with a piece, you know, I don't, I'm not the best at keeping track of time when I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of start and I'm the type of person to where, in the past I used to work until, you know, I just needed to go to sleep. Because working on a piece for me, when it's something I'm really inspired to do, I constantly think about it. I'll be dreaming about working on it, and I'm just like, well, just get up and just do it. Uh, so I've had to give myself time restrictions now, like throughout the day, and kind of treat it like as you would like a nine to five. So like, I'm going to work from this period to this period, because I need to make sure that I'm eating and living adequately as well. 
and not lose myself while I'm doing it. Um, but I, I don't know with the Jesus one, I was going pretty hard on that. I know I work at least a week straight from morning until night. Wow. And I would take Sundays off. Wow. Oh, for the, I always take Sundays off. And I, tr- I totally understand. For those of you who are listening, she is a dope visual artist. And I, I think dope is an understatement. Because um, I've, I've come across a lot of artists, visual artists, and I mean, you just explaining your your um, your process in itself shows your dedication to your craft. Uh, but wow. I mean, you you literally putting in hours, days, I guess, so to speak. It's necessary. You know, if, uh, my mother told me this a long, long time ago. If you treat it like a hobby, that's all it will ever be. Wow. So I've always chosen. Once she told me that, I was like, you're right. I need to looking at this as a business and treating it like a business, dedicating my time to it, painting even when I don't feel like it, like not relying on everything to just come to me, but really working the process. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the word. I haven't heard, I have I haven't heard that word in a while actually the hobby because the reason being like back in the day cuz I'm a I've been writing. I'm a poet. I've been writing since okay. forever. And when you when people ask you, so what do you like to do? I say I like to write to them to I guess people that are very um I guess for lack of better terms corporate minded. They look at that as something that you just do between your nine to five and when you go to bed and for some people that's the only amount of time that you do have to um to hone your craft but it's probably the only time of day when you actually enjoy doing what you do and for somebody to look at it as a hobby makes it seem secondary opposed to primary and um exactly and I'm glad that and I love it when when our parents actually feed into what we're doing and allow us to see it more than what it is. So uh, speaking of your mom, did you did you grow up in California or? Actually, no, I was chuckling over here when you said that from California because I'm actually from Texas. Well, OK. It's a loaded question asking me where I'm from. Be <laughs> upfront about that. I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. Uh, since my my whole my mother's whole side of the family, they're all from Tennessee. They're from Bristol. I was only born in Knoxville because that was the closest hospital. Because we're from a very 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 small town in the mountains, and uh, lived there for like the first couple of years. Then I lived in Greensboro, North Carolina, until I was nine, and then I moved to Houston, Texas. So I consider myself to be from Houston. Houston is where um, I spent my adolescence. It's where I've lived the longest overall. So I feel like I'm from Houston above anything else. <laughs> um, I just got out here to Cal- I've only been in California um, almost two years now. Oh, okay. Do you enjoy- how do you how do you like it? I love it. Um, I come visit before I moved out here and I knew when I first came to visit like yeah I need to figure out a way to be out here full time just the energy of everything out here I need to be close to water that's a thing for me so I live very close to the beach 
weather does have a big impact on my mood. So we do have really great weather out here. <laughs> so uh, the, the ambiance of life out here is, I, I love it. I um my fiance and I visited I think um it was last year and that was my number one that was my first plane ride and okay. yeah it scared the mess out of me like prior like um we were we were waiting for the plane and I couldn't like my armpits were drenched I know that's TMI but I was so scared to get on that plane because that was I didn't know what was going to happen but once we we took off, I was like, you know, this isn't so bad. But when we got over there, because I've been in Georgia um, majority of my life, and it's from one extreme to the next, and it's it was one of the most exhilarating experiences I've ever had. Just just being there. Okay, I'm glad it treated you well. <laughs> you made it through that uh, plane trip, your first flight. Yeah. It's always crazy, but once you've done one, you've done a million. Like you can make it through any of them. Yeah. Man. I went to uh, speaking of yeah, I went to Venice Beach and you know, I've i I've heard I've heard about that place so many it's such an iconic landmark and just to walk the strip. Um Fortunately, unfortunately, we didn't meet any stars. You know, it's it's typical to go over there and think you're gonna run into Arnold or somebody. Uh, but it was just that was a just like you said, it was it was during spring, and I've never been outside where the sun is out, but it's cool, and it's just mm-hmm. coming off the ocean. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this this is heaven. <laughs> it was heaven. Now you understand why I'm here. That's exactly why. Oh. Sunny and, and every day. Well, I don't know. The last eight months or so, it's been getting a lot of rain. It's mm-hmm. been weird, but other than that, like it's usually perfect every day. Wow. Do you have your own your own studio? I do not. Um, I work from home. I have like, an in home studio. Okay. Do you do you plan on getting one? Hopefully, in the future. I do. Um, one of my goals is to have a beachfront studio. Like, I imagine myself having uh, a studio with a large window that faces the beach. Yeah. I just need one room with a big old window that's near the beach. So I feel like now since I've moved, um, I moved outside of L.A. now, and I'm closer to the water. I feel like I'm getting closer to having a beachfront studio. Hmm. So I take, are you going on Pinterest and coming up with ideas? Oh, so I'm just visualizing more than anything. I did find one picture. Uh, there was a a page that I, maybe on Instagram is called Artist Studio, mm-hmm. and it's nothing but just different artist studios all over the world. And they had one of them that was like at sunset, and it was right on the beach. And I was like, "Yep, that's it. That's me." <laughs> so, how long have you um, have you always been painting, or at what point did? Um, you-
have been taking up a brush ever since. Um, high school was during the time I figured out that my least favorite medium was watercolor. <laughs> I can't I can't do it. I tried it and it doesn't it's not as thick as like um oil, pastel or anything like that. And they're all kinda different. Like oil, acrylic, watercolor, they're all like completely different. The thing with watercolors that I do like is once I realize the concept of working backwards, like usually when you're you're painting or drawing, you think about going from uh, dark to light. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how, like, you gauge it. Watercolor is the opposite. You're going to work from light to dark. So as long as you keep it super, super light most of the time, you can always make it darker. It's harder to go backwards and make it light. Yeah. And I think that's what... But, yeah. I think that's... kind of like working with markers. Markers are like watercolors. Yeah. Or the same concept, anyway. Because that was the dilemma I had. Because I was, um, I was in the pencil drawing for a while, and I'm so used to, um, like I would draw and then I would shade. Like you said, we go from, from dark. Hold on, I haven't drawn in such a long time. Forgot how I did it. Cause it was, <laughs> wow. You gotta try it again. Muscle memory. It'll bring it back. Ugh, goodness. I don't know. I might might leave that one alone because I tried drawing recently and it did not turn out well. It looked very elementary. (laughs) Um, But uh, speaking of... I believe you still got it in. I I hope so. I hope so because in the future, like I was thinking about how some people, instead of... And that's another thing, considering when people are trying to do projects like um, literary books or, you know, CD covers, they, they have to find an artist and um, trying to find one on a budget, that's not really realistic. Um, you guys are, <laughs> you're good and you should be paid for your work. I totally agree with that. And um, I wouldn't want to shortchange anybody. So if for a while I thought, well, maybe I just try drawing this much. Nope. Nah, I need to hire somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you even say that. Like, I'm, I'm very grateful that you see the value in artists and what they do. But I do know a lot of folks like myself come from a space of, if you're just up front with what you can afford, nine times out of ten people will work with you. Or they'll find something that's in that price range that you're looking for, or make something in the price range that you're looking for. Yeah. I I find that the more honest somebody is with me, the more accommodating I can be. And it's funny, just, just off speaking to you initially, you you come off as a very kind and considerate person and you don't come off business oriented like you are aware of it but it's it's not the it's not the forefront of a conversation for you um i take yeah. it i take it you like to know your clients more before i guess you decide to either probably sell them a piece or find or try to listen to why they're interested in your work i do and I do like to take the time with commissions, especially to, like, if I get to know the person, get to know the client, and I do tend to only take on projects that are inspiring to me because I know that I'll be able to execute them well. Yeah. So it kind of keeps everybody in alignment with it. So what's been your most challenging um, piece 
if you can think of one. What challenging? You know, I think still to this day, uh, the most challenging piece for me has been the Pharrell piece I did. It was several years ago before I even started doing texture work because now all of my work is texture based. Mm-hmm. But um, I was at an artist residency in Albany, New York and in a snowstorm and I started this painting and I spent at least a hundred hours on it. Wow. And it was very, very tedious and that was like the first painting I ever did that really taught me patience within the process. Hmm. So I think that one for sure probably was my hardest because I was very proud of myself for how it came out. I just think I was capable of producing work like that. I learned a lot through that process. Yeah. Which is why I'll probably never sell it either. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you'll never sell it? I'll probably never sell it. So so how many pieces do you do you, did you have that you looked at and say, Yo, I gotta I gotta keep this, I'm sorry. Like you actually did for yourself. Or has there ever been a, a time where you started a piece and you thought about probably, you know, selling it to someone and then it, when you were done it you know, you end up changing your mind. Well, I did have a piece that was a commission, which is a Ganesha painting that I did, uh, which is also one of my top three favorites. And it was this, my, it was my client's idea. She specifically hit me and was like, hey, can you do this Ganesha for me? And I was like, absolutely. I'd love to do Ganesha. No problem. And then once I finished with it, I wanted to give her her money back so that <laughs> I could keep it. And she was like, absolutely not. Like, no, it's mine. I'm like, you're right. You know, we already made the deal. But if you change your mind, I mean, you can have the money back and I'll just keep it. That's the only one I can say I really regret selling. I wish I still had it. Yeah. Uh, but that was another one that um, was very meticulous and taught me patience as well. Mm-mm. And well, let me, I'm going to ask you this. Um, and obviously this is one of the preset questions I wanted to ask you because I'm curious do you see painting as your passion or your purpose neither one or all um, inclusive I think both Uh, because I've been interested in art from such a young age I would consider it to be my passion it's something that doesn't always feel like work and something I would be doing whether I was getting money from it or not. Yeah. And I do feel like more so lately that it is my purpose because I have been able to see more tangibly how what I'm making can create joy for others. I tend to do a lot of memorial pieces and mm. that feels very purposeful to me because this is like immortalizing someone to be remembered forever. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe that's my purpose in that. Maybe this is why, you know, this was brought to me for me to do this. Maybe this is why I have this ability to even do this. I think that's one. I hope that that's one aspect that I hope us artists do understand is that even within doing what we love, we're still in the position of service and being able to help someone, especially during an intense time as that. And um, the reality of knowing that you can never see this person again, but through art, you can see them in this glorious light as a as a person. And all that just gets infused in that. And 
as an artist is very, very important that we portray that very, very well. And I can only imagine, you know, what goes through your mind and your thinking process as you put that put that together uh, for somebody, because that's that's such a personal, personal piece. It is. And I do believe that everybody's purpose, no matter what industry you're in or what you're doing, everybody's purpose is centered around service. And if you can find whatever, a way to service people through whatever you're interested in, it's like then you begin walking in your purpose. And when it comes to these memorial pieces, I, I like sage every canvas. I pray before I start every piece that, you know, it will bring these families joy and peace of mind when I look at them. I think intention setting with all of that is so very, very important. And it all goes into your purpose of why you're doing it. Yeah. So have you, what, what obvious changes have you noticed in yourself as an artist uh, since we first started up until now? Uh, my content is very, very different and my style. Um, it took me so many years to just develop a personal style that I felt like really was my own. And now I feel like I have a recognizable style. Like you can look at something and tell that I did it. Yeah. And that bothered me for a long time. But it felt like I was never going to get there. And when I discovered texture and how to create my own texture paste, that like expanded my artistic horizon. And now I can see what separates me from others or what is my unique thing in being an artist. There's so many artists out there. Hmm. I remember um, when I was younger, I just remember writing a particular way. And I know there, well, I'm actually this, I'm interested. Who, are there any particular artists that really inspired you over the last couple of decades or decade and a half? New, new artists or past or like the masters? Oh, it's funny because I was thinking about the same thing. Like I'm, I was not influenced by Shakespeare. I wasn't influenced by, um, like Faulkner or any any anybody mentioned in the literary canon. Canon. I was, I I've heard about them. I I studied them, but they're not the ones that moved me. There's a um, and I like this verse by Andy Minio. He said, "Pac did." Mo- more for me than Barack. And I was like, dang, because, you know, Barack is an iconic uh, individual, let alone a president. But he was saying that Tupac had more of an influence on his life than the first and probably only black president to ever exist. And that says a lot. But I know for me, I was more influenced by hip hop artists than classical poets. So were you influenced more by um, new artists or like the artists that are more, I guess, conservative? Um, I think initially I was attracted to some of the masters, but like the contemporary masters. Like I'm a huge Salvador Dali fan, mm-hmm. Bastiat, of course. Uh, of the newer generation of artists, Kehinde Wiley, like once I found out about him, 
that was maybe like 2011 or so. Yeah. Like, my mind exploded on, you know, what's possible for present artists and current artists because I was not familiar with the fine art world now and who was popping right now. Yeah. Um, and even more so now with social media, I feel like we're able to see so many more people who are relevant right now or people who are even outside of like the quote-unquote fine art world who are making a difference and making an impact with their work. There's a few people that I follow that I'm just huge fans of. Uh, now, forgive me if I'm saying her name wrong. Her name is Lenaris Victor. Her work is incredibly intricate and detailed and beautiful and just showcases black people and people of the African diaspora in such a regal light. Like, I'm a huge fan of hers. I'm the awful follow a young lady named DJ Hendry, who she's a realism artist, like unreal realism artist. It's amazing what she mm-hmm. does and just how she executes her work on social media and uh, kind of has like a big middle finger to the fine art world on what she does. Uh, I'm a huge fan of her. So it's been people on both sides where they're masters and I'd like to consider them to be current masters. And I'm really interested in a lot of artist stories, too, like just knowing where they came from and what inspired them to do what they do. Like with CJ Hendry, for example, she wasn't even an artist and just locked herself away and decided she was going to be one and learn her, taught herself how to draw. It always intrigues me to hear about artists that took themselves away to hone their craft, to sharpen it, to make it better, uh, to upgrade it to the best of, of their ability. And I have mad respect, not just for Andrea, but for the artists that she commemorates. I'm giving mad props for them for paving the way for her as an artist, as a visual artist. And it just, it really amazes me um, to realize that a lot of us are self-taught. You know, not all of us have the privilege or even the, you know, the, the accessibility. Uh, to like a, a university classroom setting or, or a mastering class being presented on in, in on the computer or any device, you know, having that access, you know, it doesn't come easy. But uh, but continue to listen to episode 55 of the glory in our stories with Miss Andrea Price. And now she's huge. But um, like I look to those people for inspiration, especially in times where I feel like maybe I'm not good enough or something. I, I look at them and be like, no, nah, just keep going because whoever is meant to see your work and meant to find your work, it will find its way to them and you can look for them, not for the accolades of, you know, your peers or other people that you may think want to notice you. That, um, that reminds me of, a, and I didn't hear about him until a couple of years ago, uh, I think it's Banksy. Oh, yeah, I love Banksy. Man, I, I don't know how I didn't mention him because Jimmy read an article recently about who they think they know who it is. Oh, he still hasn't been revealed. Ah, uh, there was an article recently saying that he's actually a this musician because the tour dates lined up where all these new Banksy pieces were popping popping up. Hmm. But I love his social political commentary. Like, he's the master of that master. <laughs> Cause he, um, I've, I think they had a documentary on him on. Um, Exit through the gift shop. Was that Netflix? Um, it's actually on HBO. 
I think it was. It might, be on, it might be on Netflix now, but it was on HBO. It's called Exit Through the Gift Shop. Because I, the way what always got me was not just what he did, but people's reactions. Like people just flipped out and they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to consume it. They didn't know what to make of it. And he he did a lot of pieces that you look at it and you're like, yo, that hurt. But and it hurt in a good way because it was social commentary on what was on things that we were overlooking because of all the life's distractions. And being able to just sit there and take it all in and consume it and then ask, how does this apply to me? Or how does this apply to everyone else? And um, speaking of which, the work that you do, does it reflect how you view society or does it reflect your own personal experiences? Um, I oh, the, someone uh, her name was Latasha Lewis Uh, she is a local um, graphic designer and when she said she was growing up basically she was a dream a dream protector which would meant that she took what somebody had and tried her best to push their agenda so they can and, and fashion it so that they can feel comfortable doing what they love doing and assist them in any way possible. And it reminded what you just said reminded me of that because you want to assist with something that somebody else has, but you're doing this through your work. Yes. And I know a lot of artists, there are, I know there are many artists that just want like you said, they just want to be recognized. They want the the recognition and um, maybe even some compensation for doing what they do and making themselves seem like they are God's gift to them. But you actually there's humanism in what you do. And I'm, I'm so glad that many artists are taking hold of that because I think that's what we're missing is the, the the humanity of what's going on and how yeah. we live our lives. 
Yeah, I think that that's important. Um, anything that we focus on monetizing being like the primary aspect of it, it kind of loses its inconsistent impact, in my opinion. Yeah. It can't always be, like, I don't ever want to be just making something for the money. I've done that before, and that proves to not be fulfilling at all for me. So it's like, I don't ever want to put myself in that position again. It was a lesson that needed to be learned. Yeah. But um, I think it's important to make sure that, you know, you have a sense of pride and integrity in whatever you do and making money the root of it or even praise and accolades from others, like that's going to backfire on you ultimately. Because I, um, I don't know, like I've, so many people will tell you that, you know, there's no money and what people, what what artists can do, because going back to thinking that what we do is a hobby, um, is <laughs> well, you know what? Whatever you think, you're right. Hmm. If you want to look at it as the whole, I don't believe in the starving art, the starving artist concept. Yeah. I don't even adopt that mentality. I don't say that. I don't ever describe myself as that because that's not what I am. Yeah, and that's not what I'll accept for myself as either. So if you know, you project yourself out here into the world, into the world as I'm a starving artist, and it's always going to be hard for me to make sales. Then that's exactly what is going to come back to you because that's what you're asking for. That's what you're telling the world that you are. So I think a lot of that has to do with mindset because art is in absolutely everything that we do and see. It's necessary, and you can make money from it. And if you sit here and think that it's impossible for you to do that, then that will be your reality. I'm glad you said that because a lot of artists aren't saying that they're not they're not expressing the behind the scenes of their grind and their push. Um, we a lot of us just take it as face value and thinking that, oh, they they're gifted in this and they're I can we share the same interests, But why is it that they're so far ahead and I'm so far behind? I don't I don't understand it. And. Like you said, when you you think that and you bring that into your reality, it becomes your life. It becomes your your consistent mindset. And I'm so glad. Yeah. That, so glad that you said that, because that a lot of other artists need to hear that. I mean, and, and to even expound on that, uh, like what you just said, like how the comparison thing, a favorite quote that I live by, comparison is the thief of joy. By comparing ourselves, our status, or whatever to other people, you know, we're missing out on what's going right for us. Yeah. And what can potentially go even better for ourselves. So, you know, you only hinder yourself by comparing your journey to someone else's because your path could be completely different. Your reward can be completely different. And it does nothing but bring you down when you compare yourself and feel like you're unworthy. You don't want to sit in that feeling of not being worthy. I think it's like really, really important to not compare yourself to other people. It's cool to look at like how, how somebody got to where they are. There's nothing wrong with that. But putting that side by side with what you got going on, I feel like a lot of times like it's just going to be a middle setback for you. I, I totally agree. I did. I was so because I remember growing up, I was very I thought that what I was doing, um, people wouldn't understand 
um, because I can only write from my own perspective. And I had a internal battle uh, with being black for a long time. Like I, I went well, my version of being black, like the things that I were into, I was into. Um, I thought that a lot of people wouldn't understand for a while. I wasn't like I was looking at myself. Saying, I'm black, but I ain't, I'm not like that black. You know, not <laughs> like I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge social act- activist. I'm not, you know, the, the, the first one to be in the line to buy a pair of Jordan threes. Like, that's just not that's just not me. And even the music and the movies, every facet of life, it was just different from from my experience. But I finally had to accept that this is who I am. This is what I'm into. How can I infuse this into my writing so that I let other people know that, yo, you're not the only one that feel this way. So for a while, I, you know, I compare myself to other people. But like you said, um, just look at what look at what you have, look at what you were giving and just use that. Because that's enough. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, putting yourself out there is how you find your tribe. Yeah. You know, if you if you don't put your perspective and whatever you do out there into the world, you know, nobody with a like mind, you won't be able to find each other. So it's necessary for you to do it, even if you think it's going to fall on deaf ears, like you have to just keep putting it out there. Which is also why, too, I think it's, like, important for us not to be so attached to outcomes of things. Yeah. Because enjoying the process is, more important than the outcome a lot of times. So they don't be so attached to the outcome. Don't worry about if somebody's going to receive it or if somebody's going to agree with you. Just be proud of yourself for contributing and putting more out there. It's, it's, it's very um, encouraging to hear you say that. It sounds like because at this point in your life I, I'm, I'm curious as to and you may have touched base on it like what led you to this realization in your life was what is it was it a pivotal moment or was it an extended process for you um i think again a little bit of both i've had a pivotal moment um where i had a suicide attempt back in 2009 and surviving that completely changed my perspective on life and made me seek out ways of alternative thinking about life. So once my perspective changed on life and how I felt like I should be living, or just like my mindset in general, like everything in my world changed. Like positive thinking, I know it sounds so cliche, but I mean, it really does work. It's like you manifest your own reality. How you think is what um, manifests in your own reality. What you project out into, the, out into the world is what you get right back. So it's, everything is more so you get what you give and taking yourself out of like a victim mindset. Those sort of things completely shifted my reality and everything in my life started moving more in the direction of what I wanted. Once I got clear on asking and knowing exactly what it was that I wanted. Once I stopped focusing on what was going wrong and more so on what was going right, everything shifted. Oh man, it was um dang, I was about to I had it I had it where is I gotta bring it back. I lost it. I was about to say something. You made a good point. 
Oh, I hate when this happens. Oh man. Oh yeah. Um, I recently realized a while back that sometimes, in relation to us as the artists, like dealing with life, sometimes art is not enough. Like it's 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 not like sometimes we feed. Maybe it's just me. I'm just sometimes I feed so much into wanting to write something, but whatever I'm looking for, it's like an endless bottom, and I keep digging and I keep digging, and I realize that I'm. I feel like I was looking for the wrong thing, and the art itself, the craft, sometimes feels void in relation to what you really need. Something that could speak into your life, give you life, because at one point I did, I took the, I think I took the more coward way. <laughs> I was like, God, you can take me right now because I'm ready to go. And I wanted to go in my sleep. I specifically remember telling him, I just, I just want to go in my sleep. And I hadn't been writing for maybe a year or two. Hello, TGOS listeners. Quick question. Are you a local vendor or entrepreneur who would like to use some free ad space? Act now and you can be granted 30 to 60 seconds of advertisement on the next five episodes. That means you can have your services advertised on five separate occasions. If you are interested and require more details, contact me via email at Mr. Pennywell 8 at gmail.com that's mr pennywell8 at gmail.com m-r-p-e-n-n-y w-e-l-l the number eight at gmail.com or find me on facebook under calvin pennywell stay cool stay calm stay kind love each other but most importantly love yourself um well probably a couple of months i just graduated high uh, college and just hit rock bottom but it's just what was what made it enough for you, I guess, to um, was it your what did your art play a part in that? And and you saying, hey, I want to continue living. You know, it did because I didn't even really show anyone outside of my immediate family, immediate circle of friends. But I did art until after that happened. Oh, wow. Uh, when I was. When I woke up in the hospital, I just kept hearing a voice over and over in my head that you need to paint, you need to paint. And when I got out, I locked myself away in my parents' garage and <laughs> painted for like two months straight. Wow. Just making stuff just to make it. Yeah. Painting all, all kinds of stuff just to make it. Not thinking about making money or anything from it. Just just trying to, I guess, get stuff out of me. And it really was like a form of therapy, I think, like a form of self-therapy for me after that. And I was invited to do my very first art show maybe two weeks after that. And I had never even thought about doing that. I thought I would be capable of it. Didn't think art would ever be a career for me. Um, and it's kind of just, you know, expounded on from there. I think I posted something on Facebook and then that like show reached out to me. I was like, oh, you should come show. And it's like, oh, wow, okay, well, hey, why not? I have all these paintings here. I just did. Yeah. That's pretty dope how that, but how that ended it's up. It's funny how uh, a near death experience can bring you closer to living. Yeah. Wow. 
I like, uh, I know it's maybe kind of weird, but I like hearing people talk about those experiences because you, um, you went through it and oh, yeah, we all do. Yeah. It's important for everybody to speak up on, you know, your mental health and what you may be dealing because we are not alone. And it's those feelings of being alone that push us even even further into those darker spaces. I think it's great when people come and talk about the things that they've overcome, especially those internal things because the internal battles are harder than the physical ones most of the time. Yeah. Those, those moments when you ask somebody, are you okay? And when they respond, nah. Like, I wish we, um, I wish we were more honest with saying no, we're not, as well as being more quick yeah. to listen to why. And I've I've had some friends that have posted things on Facebook, and I would text them, say, "You okay?" Like, it's because they're doing it for a reason. It's not. They're 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 asking mm-hmm. for help. You're asking for help, and um, we need to. Cause I actually lost a, f- a fellow friend years ago to suicide, and she um she actually had a son that she really she loved him to death, and when that happened, um, I was like, you asked that question because you're on the outside. Like, why? You know, you why why you're such a talented individual. But sometimes it, it like you said, it, it gets that low and it gets that dark. Yeah, like we can be our worst enemy, we can be our greatest ally. Yeah. And we just have to learn to choose to be our friend. Like you have to be kind to yourself. You have to be most forgiving to yourself because it is you who you are with more than anyone else. And that's, that's internal, too. You know, when you hear that voice speaking in your head, is it your voice or someone else's? We have to all be, you know, more cognizant of that to maintain our mental health. Yeah. But I'm so sorry that happened to your friend. Yeah, that that was, um, and I, I just like most of us, I took partial blame because the signs were there, but I wasn't paying attention. And... But at the same time, somebody had to remind me and say, you can't hold that weight. You can't yeah. because they they had a taken. They had a hand in that as well. But you just mm-hmm. you can't can't hold on to that. So, yeah. We are ultimately responsible for ourselves. So. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm actually this last question um, mm-hmm. due to time constraint. Um, <laughs> but I, I always enjoy asking this because. I've had short answers. I've had long answers. I've had long answers um, that in the end, they think to themselves, well, it could have been shorter and vice versa. But I just wanted to know, you know, from you, what would you say is the glory in your story? Well, let's see. The glory in my story is that I feel like I am a walking example of rebirth and perseverance. Um, I call myself on all social platforms, Andre Evolve, because I do just that. I continually evolve, evolve and reinvent myself, no matter what I'm facing. And I hope that through doing it, I'm an example to others that they can do the same. Yes. Um, let me go back to this. 
is Andrea, not Andrea. Yes. Yes. Okay. You are so kind because you didn't correct me when I first said that. Um, well, it's about six different ways to say it. So. From what I hear. I, yeah. Yes, I understand. <laughs> so Andrea Price. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I, I trust me. I know how it feels to have your name butchered. Um, yeah. So, but uh, if do you have any? If you could, if for the next few seconds, if you could inform people where to find you, where to find your work. Oh yes, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter. I am under the name Andrea Evolve. That's A N D R E A E V O L V E S. My website is also andreaevolve.com. Please feel free to stop by, leave a message. I love communicating with people through the social networks. And yeah, I'm so happy to be here today. And I really, again, thank you. I know we have a three hour difference, but I knew we would find uh, some middle ground in there somewhere. Um, yeah, I'm glad we were able to make it work. I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, people hearing this because it's it's always something not just for listeners but for myself. Um, this is this is um, therapy for me listening to other people because I'm learning every single day um, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I'm learning to do that more and more because we all have a perspective that needs to be considered. So um, thank you, Miss Andrea Price. And um, I'm looking forward to more seeing more of your work in the future. And um, this is one connection that I'm glad to have made. So thank you. Amen. It's totally mutual. Thank you again for having me. I can't wait to listen and share this with others as well. Thank you for doing the work that you do. And putting all the stories out there. We need more. Thank you. Um, th- for those of you who are listening, this is episode 55 of The Glory and Our Stories with Miss Andrea Price. Mm-hmm.